What's up, fellas? Welcome back to another episode of The Grown Man Project. I'm your host, Kirk Kersey. And on today's episode, I'm talking with my new good buddy, Tim Meisenheimer. Meisenheimer, as I've been told, I'm supposed to say. Managing partner and lead financial advisor of Streamline, which is a wealth management firm in the Chicagoland area. Streamline helps 200 families find purpose for their wealth and position them for greatest impact on the world. During this COVID season, one of the things Tim has been most proud of their team is they have had 200 Zoom calls since March. So if you do the math, 200 clients and 200 Zoom calls, they are walking out this commitment to standing next to their clients through good times and bad, which is really, really cool. Uh, Tim also just launched a digital investment platform to serve young professionals who want low cost investment management. But what's funny is we're not going to talk that much probably about wealth building necessarily. We're going to talk a lot about generosity on today's episode. It's something that is near and dear to Tim's heart. If you love today's episode, I'd highly encourage you to go check out livegivemore.com, livegivemore.com. That's Tim's um, website blog where he writes stories of everyday generosity. I know I've been the recipient of these stories on LinkedIn. If you're a LinkedIn nerd like myself, go follow Tim. He's a great follow um, because he shares these stories in really cool snippets and really cool ways on LinkedIn that are really inspiring to go out and be generous in the world. So I'm excited to share more of Tim's story with you to learn from him and learn together while he's on this journey of what it looks like to pursue becoming a grown man. So with that, Tim, welcome to the show, brother. Hey. Thanks so much, Kurt. It's, I would say it's great to be here, but I'm in a home office that I've been in for seven months. So <laughs> it's great to be talking with you. This there you go. So. It's great to virtually be in the same place. Thank you, Zoom. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, hey, but I just want to say I'm grateful and honored to be here. There's so many champions. As we're, you mentioned, we're going to talk about generosity. There's so many people who are, I think, better equipped for this conversation, but uh, it's something that I love to talk about and it's something that I love to see other people grow in. So it's awesome to get a chance to do this. Hey man, I, I would uh, encourage and affirm you. I think it's Stephen Furtick that said, uh, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And you are answering a call to uh, draw more attention to what generosity really looks like. Um, so I, I affirm you in that you've had an impact in my life uh, without even knowing it until <laughs> until recently. So keep it up, brother. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about... Um, first, just kind of where you learned what it looks like to be a grown man, right? Um, I'm sure you learn these things from your clients. I'm sure you've learned from mentors. But one of the things you shared in uh, the questionnaire that I sent you ahead of this interview is that you learned a lot about what it means to be a grown man from your dad. Can you tell us a little bit about what you learned from him and kind of what that learning process looked like? Yes. And as an Enneagram type one, I want to say thank you for sending questions ahead of time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, as I was thinking about what it means to be a grown man and where I first learned that, uh, I have to start with my dad. And uh, he taught me that a grown man does what is right, even when no one will ever know about it. And this is a guy who uh, just lives a quiet life of devotion to the Lord and to other men. And it was his example and his consistent devotion to the Lord and his bride, the church, where I learned that that's what being a real man looks like. That's what being a grown man looks like. Um, I also learned integrity from him. So doing the right thing when no one's looking. He was in sales for a long time. And I would always remember him telling stories about, well, yeah, you can buy that other product or you can buy the one that we're telling you the truth about and is going to last over time. And just those two things, devotion to the Lord and integrity. Uh, I learned that from him. And, you know, you're not going to see him on a stage anywhere. You're not going to see him leading a big revolution. And that's where I learned that being a grown man doesn't necessarily mean you're the guy out in front. But there's a, there's a bunch of people behind the guy out in front who are supporting them and keeping them close to the Lord. Um, so he, he lives that out. And that's what I love about him. 
Um, but he was also, you know, a, a man's man. He went to a, an all men's college in rural Indiana called Wabash College. Um, I remember one story. One of his roommates was the biggest guy on the football team. He was some sort of lineman. Um, and he was the crazy thing was he was also the kicker. So I remember looking at his yearbook going, what what is this guy doing? Oh, yeah, he was he was the place kicker as well. Um, but this guy was so big that do you, you ever play the game tiddlywinks growing up like little little plastic things? No. It's like you like flick them in the air and try to land them on a target. Okay. They would play tiddlywinks with this guy's belly button. And it was <laughs> like with his consent or like take oh, a yeah. nap in the dorm kind of thing. Okay. Well, you know what? I, I don't know that. That's a great question, Kurt. Great question. Um, it's like with his it, consent, I might pray for him. Uh, with Without his consent, I might pray for your dad and his buddies. <laughs> you know what? In the 60s, I think that's just good, clean fun. So that's right, man. But on a side note, so I didn't go to Wabash College. I went to another college. It starts with a W and I was on the swim team, but Wabash built a new pool when I was in college and I got to swim there and I set a pool record in the 400 individual medley. Look out, man. Yeah. The record lasted for five minutes until the next heat went. And then <laughs> it was actually a brand new pool. The first time that event was swung. So <laughs> my name never got up on the wall, but the, the Meisenheimer name sort of continued on for a few minutes. So that's awesome, man. I love the what one that was great comedy structure there to <laughs> you know set that up and then knock it down. Uh but I love I love honestly like the the story behind that story, right? Of what you shared about your dad being a leader even though he wasn't necessarily out in front all the time. And I think there's so much power in that. We talk about this idea of being a leader a lot on the show and what does leadership look like? And I think so many times as men, we assume that, okay, we got to be leaders, meaning we have to be the absolute best. We have to be number one in everything that we do. And one of the things you you share similar perspective as myself is that perfection isn't the goal, right? It's the process. It's the progress that you can make that is the goal. How Did you learn that from your dad or kind of where did you learn that as a man? Ooh, this one cuts deep because this is something I'm learning right now. And hey, there we I, go. I'm like far from it, but uh, I'm, I've been noticing more and more over the last couple of years that I really struggle with perfection and it, it really is debilitating sometimes where I can't take the first step of a project or something God's calling me to because mm. I can't see the end result and I don't know all the steps along the way. Um, I'm a very process driven person. And so it's a struggle to not know what the end looks like and something the Lord has just been teaching me lately, um, is that he's perfect and it's no secret that I'm not. And once I start believing that I'm not truly believing that I, I am not perfect and will not be perfect without him, um, yeah, I, I just love that he's perfect and I can rest in that. Um, I, the other day I was I was on a retreat and we were taking some quiet time and I was sitting by a river and I feel like God just gave me this picture of the river flowing by. And it's cool because I love rivers. I love fresh water. You can, it's clear, you can see it, you can play in it. And God's like, hey, I am the river and I am the current and you can jump in if you want, and I'll just carry you. You can paddle if you want. If you want to paddle really hard, great. But don't stand on the bank and just watch this go by because it's moving mm. with or without you. So just jump on in. Like I'll do the work. Um, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Like just jump on in. And I think that has a lot to do with like, hey, I don't, I don't know where this river's headed, but mm. uh, I trust the one who's taken me there. That's so good, man. That's so good. That like gives me the chills when you share that because I feel like you look all through scripture and we see these stories of men who took the time to pause in reflection to hear where God wanted them to go, but then they moved, right? Mm -hmm. With even oftentimes imperfect information or knowledge or vision about what that move was going to do in their lives, but they decided just to move. 
and knew that God would show up. And I think whether that looks like taking a big, bold action in your career, like you have done, taking a big, bold action um, in your marriage, taking a big, bold action as a father, taking a big, bold action as a friend, taking a big, bold action in generosity, uh, or even just day to day, right? Taking the bold action to get up and face all the chaos and hurt and pain that is going on in the world, but face it knowing that God is in those moments when we're moving. That's really cool, Tim. I appreciate you sharing that, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was another man in your life where you learned a lot about what it means to be a grown man. He just happens to be family as well. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, your your brother and and how he modeled some things for you about what it, what it means to step into manhood. Yeah. So I started working with my brother about 12 years ago. And he launched Streamline 22 years ago. So I, I jumped, you know, 10 years in and uh, working together with him. He just set an awesome example for me of never settling for the status quo and believing that God has something bigger and better for everybody, for what they could see with their own eyes. And I just learned what it meant to go the extra mile for others. Um, you know, it's something that doesn't come naturally to me. I learned how to not only serve people with my mind, but also with my heart and uh, learn to empathize with where they are, which is not a natural thing. And yeah, just work really hard and go above and beyond so that they could be blessed, you know, really without expecting anything in return. Um, Makes me think of Matthew 5, and this is from the message, starts in verse 38. And it's talking about somebody taking unfair advantage of you, but it says, if that happens, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit for tat stuff, live generously. And I just think that's such a cool picture of what Jesus did for us, that he went the extra mile for us when we didn't deserve it. Um, I was just reading about Noah this morning, talk about a guy who did what the Lord was calling him to and taking a bold step of faith, even though it looked dumb. And it took like a hundred years to build a boat when they hadn't had rain. Um, Man, talk about playing the long game. But in that story, we often think that, oh, like we're on the ark, like we followed Jesus. And so he saved us. And so, hey, come on the ark with us. And it's only in realizing that like, I belong out in the water and without my savior, that's where I would be. And so it's from that heart that I can live and serve others. That's so good, man. Tearing down that pride. I'm trying to remember Mm -hmm. uh, the name of the book that a mentor took me through. And if I remember it, I'll dump it in the show notes. But uh, I think it's gospel identity, maybe. Um, But it was all about finding your identity in the gospel, removing this like pride and ego that we've done anything, even remotely close to earning salvation And like having this realization that like you're nothing, like you're literally not worth anything that Jesus fills us with worth and value, right? That because he is worthy and because he lives in us, then we're valuable because we're loved by him, we're valuable, right? And I think that that's so powerful to remember in those moments when we're wronged or when something doesn't seem fair, when something doesn't seem to go our way. And gosh, what a timely uh, moment to be having that conversation when we're all dealing with different levels of adversity because of the pandemic, right? Some things that probably feel like, gosh, why did this have to happen right now? Mm-hmm. Right? We can all have those those moments. If you're a dad with kiddos at home, if you're new into a business, you got a young business, you're trying to get off the ground, no matter what's going on, you got a new job, maybe the offer was rescinded. There's a ton of adversity. And that's even like, you know, fairly like wealthy adversity, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. like that adversity is, is real. And I think a lot of us, you know, I won't get into all the election stuff, but you start bringing that in and you start realizing like everything's unfair and yet I don't deserve any of it anyway. And so you can live from this place of true servanthood and and abundance. That's really cool, Tim. I want to talk a little bit about, so, so you joined, uh, before we get into generosity, I I want to dig into like, you have some cool perspectives on generosity, some ways that you help your clients and others think about generosity that I think are really, really powerful. So I want to make sure we we carve out time for that. But tell us a little bit of like your backstory. So your brother launched this firm, you said 22 years ago, and you joined him about 10 years into his journey, about 12 years ago. 
what were you doing before that? So before that, my wife and I were college sweethearts. Uh, and after that, we jumped into teaching high school. I taught high school math. She taught high school science. We did that for about three, three and a half years. And uh, that was the point at which I realized, and, and it was funny, I was contemplating this career change. And so I talked to my brother and he said, hey, maybe we try it out. You know, he had built a really strong business helping 600 families pretty much by himself. And I was wow. like, well, what if, what if I join you? What, what would that look like? So we just, we talked through that. He gave me the strengths finder test at that time. And that's when I realized one of my top strengths was a maximizer and which is, you know, coming into a, a situation that's working well and making it better. Mm. And in the school system, there's plenty of opportunity for that, but it's not rewarded or really, um, yeah, really regarded all that highly, uh, at mm. least at the time. And so I thought, you know, of all the times in my life, when I'm 25, now's the time to make a career change rather than waiting for 30 years. Um, and it was funny, I was in a small group with some guys and one of the guys was a firefighter. And I didn't realize this at the time. It's only on looking back on things that you realize, mm. oh yeah, that was a pivotal moment. And I'm sharing with the guys like, hey, I'm thinking about this career decision. And he said, his parents were both teachers and he's a firefighter and just looked at me and he's like, you're walking away from a, a government pension for the rest of your life. And I was like, Hmm. Yeah, I guess I am. Um, cause one, I'm 25 and to work for the next 40 years for something that a may <laughs> not be there B I could die between now and then and C, that's just miserable. Um, and you know, looking back, it was a crazy step of faith. I, I had no idea what I was doing, but we were praying, trusting that God would lead. Um, we we're expecting our first kid at the time, um, first of four. And so I was like, I don't know that swinging this on a teacher salary, one teacher salary, because you know, my wife, her goal was to stay home with the kids. Um, that was going to be tough to do. So jumped in and started helping people plan for retirement, uh, learned how to do that. And then it was probably seven, probably, yeah, six or seven years in where we just got connected with a couple mentors who are a little bit ahead of us, some of them a long ways ahead of us, but they started introducing us as a, as a firm to this idea of what it means to live generously. And, you know, first to start out as, oh, it's charitable planning. And then it's morphed into, well, there's a lot more here than just planning how I give to charity and saving on taxes. There is a life full of joy, full of peace, when I learn to let go of what I have rather than hanging on to it. And it doesn't start with selling your business and giving away millions of dollars. That's like, uh, that's like the end of the movie. But the beginning of the movie is um, when I was in seventh grade and it was my mom, our, so my brother and I, our first business together was lawn care. So we mowed some lawns around the neighborhood and my brother went out and he made $300 in like less than a month as a high school kid. So he went and he blew it all on like wrestle figurines or something like that. <laughs> um, so my mom was like, no, this is not happening again. So she grabs a book by Ron Blue on teaching your kids about money. She pulls out ledger paper, which is a spreadsheet for those of you who don't know. It's just <laughs> the original physical. spreadsheet. It, yeah, it's physical paper. It's green, I think. I think all ledger paper is green. <laughs> and she started writing columns like, okay, next time you get paid, you bring it to me and we'll divide this up. And the first column was tithe. And it was wow. seventh grade. I'm paying self-employed taxes uh, at, on a cash business and I'm tithing. <laughs> So I'm looking at my net pay going, what in the world? <laughs> but that was the beginning of the movie. And that was where I learned the discipline. You could look at it as legalistic and overbearing if you want to. But what I've learned about generosity is it, it's a muscle that you've got to exercise. Yeah. And man, to exercise that starting at age 12, like for, for those of you listening who have kids, um, first of all, it's something you've got to exercise, but then hmm. it's something that you can allow your kids to exercise when they don't have a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's 
John D. Rockefeller that said, I didn't know how to tithe my first million if I hadn't tithed my first dollar. Oh, and that's that, good. that just means he gave a dime of his first dollar, but you don't just show up with a million dollars and go, okay, now I'm going to be generous. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. It starts small. So this is just an encouragement to somebody who's like, man, I want to be more generous. I want to, I want to give because Christ gave to me first. And like, yeah. like you've said, everything I have is from him. So let me just start in a little way, but what it means to mature as a grown man is to continue to build on that and grow. Um, there there's the phrase we could continue to increase our standard of living, but maybe we should also continue to increase our standard of giving Mm. or, or maybe that one should be the priority instead of our standard of living, you know, once you get to a certain place. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the journey, but it, it definitely was people along the way placed in my life who pointed me in that direction. And at first I was like, this is crazy. Like I went to a conference yeah. with financial advisors who are Christians and they're talking about generosity. And I was like, this is nutty. Uh, I mean, people are just trying to get by right now. Yeah. Um, and you can look at it that way right now in the, in the middle of a pandemic, people are just trying to get by. Mm. Um, but I had a client early on in the pandemic. This is a young guy, four kids, four boys. Um, man, they're like all under the age of nine. So um, I should pray for him more than I do. Uh, (laughs) But he emailed me and he's like, Hey, Tim, you know, that thousand a month we're putting into the investment account. Um, I wanted to get your take on this, but I was thinking about stopping it. Okay. Then I kept reading and he said, I feel like there's a lot more good I can do with the person bagging my groceries or the person at the restaurant that I'm ordering from. And I just want to invest in my community right now. So let's cut that off and let me start doing that. And I was just blown away, um, humbled and inspired by his example that he's setting. Like he has a million reasons to be saving that for the future. Um, Four young boys, emergency room bills that are going to (laughs) come in the future. Um, I have one boy, emergency room twice so far, um, both head injuries. Um, he's fine, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just inspired by the example of somebody like that. Um, and, and that's why I tell stories like that is generosity begets generosity. Like nobody wakes up in the morning and I'm, some people do, but I think those are great examples of, although there's adversity, uh, there's a lot of people who are going, how can I serve? How can I help right now? Cause yeah. this isn't mine anyways. I'm just yeah. managing it for the time being. Yeah. That's the perspective, right? That's, that's what changes the game is to realize that the, the accumulation, right? We, we use that word a lot in the financial planning world, like wealth accumulation isn't about accumulating some stockpile of stuff that is ours and building these walls around us so that nothing can get in or knock off, knock us off our, our path, right? It's all about how do we steward what's been given to us and use those resources in service of others. And I think um, if I'm a, and I am a young man (laughs) listening to this conversation, but if I'm an even younger man listening to this conversation, I think back to like the early days of, of my career, some of the young men that we have the opportunity to be around and mentor and like they're in their first job and they're thinking, Hey, one day, when I've kind of made it, I'm going to be super generous, right? Like I'm going to give it all away. Like I don't need much anyway. I'm never going to need much. I'm going to keep a low standard of living. Like, so when I get there, I'll start giving it all away. And we talked a little bit about perfectionism earlier in this conversation. Right. And I actually jotted down a note because I, it, it, it triggered me to think about, gosh, just like we talk about, Hey, start saving for retirement early because the power of compound interest is really powerful, right? If I got 30 years to save, that $10 today is the equivalent of maybe $200 if I start when I'm 40, right? And we talk about that all the time in financial planning, but we don't often talk about, hey, build that muscle that you, Tim, started building thanks to your mom when you were in seventh grade. Like build that muscle, get accustomed to this idea of, call it tithing, call it call it being generous. This isn't a philosophical, theological debate, right? Uh, We know that we're called to be generous, right? Full stop. So start building that muscle of giving 
anything that you can away, right? Like, do you encourage young people, like whether it's 10% or not, just like start giving something regularly? Is that something we ought to encourage? Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, I love that you talked about compound interest because it just made me think of like, what what's the what's the power of compounding when it comes to giving and generosity? And like, what are we missing out on by waiting? Um, Anyways, you came up with it. If I can steal that line, steal it. That that would be awesome. (laughs) I'm sure I didn't actually. I'm sure somebody planted that seed somewhere. (laughs) What What's original these days? (laughs) That's Um, exactly right. Speaking of nothing original, but but true is on when you're young and you're in your career, you have this growth mindset, and Hmm. I want to climb the ladder. I want to have an impact and. What I love about today's uh, younger generation, I'm really dating myself at this point. Uh, if you're in your 20s and 30s like me, um, then you have this growth mindset for, I, I want to make a difference. And uh, I think that's something that our generation really has to offer the world is, is making a difference. But when it comes to compound interest in our investments, there is that compounding power of generosity. and it is like you said, like storing up a stockpile, like right in the Bible, First Timothy six nineteen. You know, you're to command the rich to be um, rich. I'm going to butcher this. Uh, to be rich in good deeds, be generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up a treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the mm. future. So, like generosity mm. is a growth mindset game, and it is, and it's going to last for ever like it's yeah. not for the next 60 years it's for the next well we don't have numbers to really describe that um yeah. so i think that's got to start somewhere and i was talking with a, a well-known mutual fund portfolio manager um who he actually gives away a hundred percent of his income from his job wow um you know he's made it to a place where he's like hey i you know i, I i'm pretty set and um, that doesn't mean necessarily that he's super wealthy because, you know, rich is relative, but mm-hmm. he gives 100% of his income away. And, and I just asked him, I said, hey, if you had one minute to talk to somebody about generosity, like what, what would you say? What advice would you give? Mm. And he said this, if you're not doing it, start giving 10% of your gross income to your local church. Mm-hmm. Again, not, not legalistic or not necessarily tithing because personally, I think 10%, like you said, is a starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's somewhere to start. We'll, we'll make it on the 90. Like we'll, yeah. we'll be okay. And yeah. um, I have years ago seen people struggling with credit card debt. And that might be a question in someone's mind right now. What if I have all of these debts, student loans, do I still give? And I believe, yes, I believe you need to build that muscle and it's got to start somewhere. Um, so start with 10%, but then automate your increases so that you're increasing that by say a percent every year. So like right now, if you're 25 and you start giving 10% of your income away, and then you increase that by 1% a year, when you're 65, you'll be giving away 50% of your income, but you won't have realized it along the way because it'll just be a percentage each year. Every all of us can handle a one percent increase. The four hundred one ks they do that now automatically. Um, you can you can increase that. So as you do that, though, here's what I would add: is pray and ask God to open your eyes to see what He does in your faith journey. Don't go to the mailbox looking for a check because rarely does anything in the world work that way where you give and and you get. Um, my pastor at home he says you don't we don't give to get, but we get to give mm, and good. just pray and ask God to open your eyes to see what he does. Um, yeah. So that, I don't know if that helps, but I, I think that's a great starting place for people. I love it, brother. And I want to, I want to drill down on some of that a little bit more. Cause I think it's so powerful. One, I, God bless your pastor. I love that, <laughs> that phrase. We don't give to get, we get to give. I think that's a that's a mentality, a growth mindset that we can adopt in every area of our lives, right? That mm-hmm. that idea of we get to is so, so powerful. Like even like in the pandemic, 
like I've, we've been talking with our team a lot about like, hey, hey, it's not like, oh, we have to work from home or oh, we have to deal with these like new headaches of virtual work environments. Hey, we get to, we're working on muscles of communication, of better communication, of how to work remotely, of how to have each other's backs when things get a little hectic. We're getting the opportunity to develop those muscles that are going to help us that much more in times that are good and easy and simple, right? And so like that get to mindset, I think is so powerful. And I'm curious, like, so not to get tactical, but I'd like to get tactical for a second if it's okay with you. Yeah, let's do it. Like when we talk about um, whether it's a, a, a young man listening to this episode, whether it's, um, you know, somebody kind of in the middle of their career, maybe, maybe even somebody like you, right. You said four kids at home, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like you guys have a lot of expenses right? <laughs> and you're a business owner and I don't know how you have your business set up, but like business owner income can typically fluctuate a little bit, mm-hmm. especially in years like 2020. Yeah. Um, like how, do you guys still have, you have this percentage that you're giving away and by what you're saying, I'd, I'd, I'd assume that you're giving away more than 10% of your income. You don't have to share that necessarily, but um, I'd assume that you also have a percentage that you're saving in addition to that, right? And so I guess for anyone listening, like start at that 10% if you're already doing 10% of giving away, maybe think about increasing that 1% every year. I love that concept. Um, do you do the same thing in savings? Like how, how do you think about the parallel to that of like still being a good steward of wealth for your own family? Yeah, you know, that, that is a great question. So tactically, uh, what my wife and I do just to give you guys a little bit behind the curtain um, and I'm not going to use numbers because, you know, that can kind of mess with people, but yeah. I think percentages yeah. is a great way to go Um percentage wise, we are trying to grow our percentage each and every year. And for us, the the giving is one, we automate it. And we say, hey, this monthly is what we're going to give. And as a business owner, it's it's kind of challenging because like you said, income fluctuates and we pray and we decide at the beginning of the year. And we say, this is what mm-hmm. we feel like God is calling us to give this year. And we don't know what the end of the year looks like. And I think that's actually pretty biblical when you think about uh, when a farmer in Old Testament times was going out and uh, God said, hey, bring the first fruits to the temple. They're bringing the first fruits of the harvest without yet harvesting the whole field and not knowing what their harvest is going to Mm -hmm. yield, but they were bringing the first and the best. And so we try to do that just on an annual basis. Um, and then automate it so it's monthly happening and being pulled out of our checking account. Um, when it comes to savings, uh, for a while we were increasing how much, you know, the percentage that we were saving each year, um, probably 15%, something like that. Um, and then I, I got challenged by, it, w- it was a client of mine actually, who um, he's, I'd say in his 40s, three kids. And we were just talking and some people, I maybe you've heard of like people capping their income and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, you know what, once mm-hmm. I get to this level of income in order to combat lifestyle creep, uh, I'm just going to say, you know what, we're here and we're going to grow this amount at 3% a year. So at, at 200,000 in income, you know what, all my needs are met and I'm just going to give myself a tiny pay raise each year, but I'm going to give away everything on top of that. Yeah. So that, that's, that's another tactical move out there for some people that might be the way to go. But I was talking to a client and he said, yeah, you know, uh, one of the, one of the questions I ask people is like, Hey, what, what's your giving look like? And where's that at? So it, it's really unassuming. Cool. It's really non-judgmental. Um, and we get some amazing answers because a lot of people are like, you know what, I want to do better or I want to, I want my giving to look like I want to plan for my giving, just like you plan for retirement and you plan for college, having a plan for your giving that's intentional, that you can follow and even deviate from when the Lord leads you to um, that. That's huge. Um, So we reached a point where we said, you know what, we can continue increasing the percentage we're saving each year for the future. But there's also a lot of stuff we feel like God's calling us to give to 
right now. Yeah. And the future money is not even guaranteed. Like yeah, we yeah. may not even make it that long. And um, so we just started to kind of like level off that percentage of savings and say, you know what, this percentage or this dollar amount, um, we're just kind of coast at that. And, cool. you know, I've done the math. I'm a financial planner. So I've like, I've mapped it out. It's going to be enough. It's not going to be an exorbitant amount for our family. Um, but it, it's kind of like at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I had this picture in my mind of like, um, two ways you could find me at the end of the pandemic. Like, Hey, it's, it's all over. And Kurt, you come looking around for Tim and you're like, where, where did he go? And I'm like in my basement and I'm surrounded by toilet paper. And, (laughs) and you're like, he's the guy, he's got it all. And I could just see myself coming out of that basement, like probably like lost 20 pounds, really depressed (laughs) and like really not happy because I've stockpiled and living by fear where the living by faith is so what my friend did who said you know what that thousand a month is better off in somebody else's hands instead of mine and um i think as we look at the future on really our perspective needs to be if this is all god's and it's all his anyways um how do we manage that in the best possible way where do we get the best return on investment um Mm -hmm. in the kingdom and that's not necessarily continuing to stockpile here on earth. And that's where I think when it comes to like financial planning, a lot of people um, are being steered in the wrong direction. And, and it's not bad. You know, you, you sit down with somebody and, and you want to grow your wealth over time. That makes a lot of sense. You want to steward it well. But then what? Once you get a little more added to your pile, what do you want next? Well, let's add a little more to the pile. Well, what do you want next? Well, let's add a little bit more. And we all know that doesn't satisfy, but um, we still wake up. I wake up daily thinking like, oh yeah, I should add a little more to the pile today. And I have to reset myself and go, you know what? This isn't mine. This isn't mine to keep. And it's mine to give. And I, and I get to do that. I get the opportunity to give and see what God does as a result of that giving Um, in my life, in others' lives. um, And yeah, what, what a cool thing that, God has invited us to be a part of, and we can jump in the river or we can just stand on the bank and go, wow, that's cool. Look at, look at what all those people are doing <laughs> and just watch. So cool, man. That's so cool. I love, I continue to love that analogy of like, just jump in, man, just go for it to be a part of it. Right. Um, I love equating that concept of like the, the lifestyle cap, right. Capping our income at a certain level with, maybe you think about prayerfully consider capping your savings at a certain level. Once you've kind of hit that level of like, Hey, I know we're going to be in good shape. We're saving what we need to, then let's throttle up our giving. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a really, that's a really powerful concept. I, I admire men and families that have made the commitment at some point in their career of giving away a significant portion of their income, maybe all of their income, Um, and I think there's probably a generation of men, lots of men that are listening to the show that go, yeah, that would be really cool. And I love the reminder of like, just start, Mm -hmm. like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna one day flip a switch and just start giving away hundred percent of your income, right? You're going to ratchet it up from that 10% starting place, um, to, to go up from there. And, and Tim, like, I love, I love just your perspective and encouragement on this topic that is so much more about uh, give to the things that you feel called to and be prayerfully considerate of what those things might be and what that amount might be even. Like, I think sometimes uh, myself, for sure, I'll speak for myself in this moment. I'm like, I'm that guy that wants to just like go for it, right? And so oftentimes, like the scripture tells us the heart is deceitful amongst all things, right? Like I'll get emotionally excited about this idea of giving away a ton of money. And then I have to come back to reality of like, well, I can't also like do harm to my marriage (laughs) or to the other things that we've committed to, right? To our team here that we've committed to, to uh, continue to invest back in the business or whatever the case may be. And so tempering that with prayerful consideration, contemplation around, hey, what do we feel called to? God, affirm that in us. 
help us re- find scripture that affirms kind of where our mindset is. God, help us talk with mentors and be affirmed in what we feel like you're calling us to and go through this process of making sure, okay, yeah, that's from the Lord. That's not just like an emotional reaction to this amazing podcast episode, right? Which it is amazing, Tim. Uh, but it, <laughs> but it's really something that God's calling us to that we need to respond to intentionally, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a big key thing when it comes to in, in a marriage relationship, especially uh, oftentimes as I talk with couples, they're not necessarily on the same page when it comes to giving mm-hmm. and not, you know, as with anything, God puts you two together on purpose. Yeah. Uh, and there, there's a, there's a balance there or a, a healthy push and pull that can be there. I'll, I'll just give you stories from my own life. Um, one of the most powerful giving experiences for my wife and I was early on, um, both high school teachers, Megan teacher salary, and our church had an opportunity where we could uh, give over and above our regular giving. And I'm sure a lot of people have have heard about this or experienced this. And we just took the chance to to pray and write down a number and then talk to each other and go, hey, I think this is the percentage that God wants us to give. And God gave us the same number that time. Oh, that's cool. And I think when, you know, God's the owner, we're the manager. Like if you had a restaurant and there was an owner and you were the manager and you wanted to blow out a wing and make an investment, um, yeah. you'd have to prove your ROI. You'd go check with them and go, hey, I got this plan. Is this okay? And so it's mm, it's foolish good. of us to think that, um we know how to spend God's money, even towards good things, even being generous. Um, I, I'm like you, man. I'll like emotionally jump out there and be like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> and my wife's like, um, so, and this is an area I had to grow in a lot. Um, we did a retreat called a journey of generosity, which I highly recommend to anybody. If you get invited to one, just go. Um, it's hard to explain what it is, but, um, we were being encouraged by other people's stories of being generous And, um, one thing I realized is that like, like you said, I was being stingy with my family and Mm -hmm. yet trying to be generous with others. Mm -hmm. And man, how am I modeling generosity? If my own kids are like, dad, can we, can I get some new shoes that that wasn't like the actual case? Um, (laughs) they had the shoes they needed, but if I'm not modeling that with them and I'm always saying yeah. no to them, but others, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Then what good is that? And so I was challenged to model generosity, um, in my own family. Um, that was, you know, maybe making a, a home project upgrade that my yeah. wife is patiently waiting for, not even asking for, but if I did it, it would just yeah. make her day. Um, so I, I was challenged to do some of that stuff internally and kind of get things in order so that um, whatever generosity we were trying to practice on the outside, the kids got it from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I love that. I love that, Tim. And just as we wrap up here, I feel like we could talk for hours on this subject and so many others, because there's so many stories that we didn't get into that we had talked about getting into that uh, if you'd be up for it, I'd love to have you back on the show at yeah. some point. To, uh, to share some of that. But one of the words that we haven't used, maybe I've been trying to avoid it in some instances, maybe you have too, because it's such a buzzword, but this idea of abundance. And I do, I do think that's a scriptural idea. It's not, I'm not talking like prosperity gospel, right? But like, ultimately, this concept of God is going to provide everything that we would ever need at every turn, as long as we're walking out the things that are of him. And so I think to your point of like this idea of like prayerful consideration, if that means like creating a beautiful space for your family to thrive, for you to host couple other couples in, for you to love on other people, if that means getting a huge sprinter van so you guys can enjoy road trips. I have a buddy, a mentor of mine that decided to invest a lot of money in this amazing sprinter van because they wanted to do things as a family because it was important to them to not have to split into two cars on road trips. And they wanted to be able to like go visit family across the country and do that as a family unit and do it comfortably and have fun while they're doing it. And I, those things are still examples of being generous, right? 
being generous absolutely should have components of going out into the world and being generous to others, but being generous towards your family and loving your community well, or even your community of friends and fellow believers, right? Like my dad's a great example of you have to pry the check out of his hand <laughs> anytime anyone goes to dinner with him, no matter how many people are at the table. And it comes from a place of, hey, we're in a position where we can afford to love on the people that we go to dinner with. So we're going to, you know? And so I just love that perspective versus like, you know, so many times in college, we'd, we'd argue over like, well, I only had three chicken wings, so I'm not paying, you know what I mean? And just such a different mentality to just say, Hey, you know what? Like this is of the, this is all God's anyway. Like God, God would bless us to invest in this way. Uh, is that, is that a fair assessment of, of what you're describing there? Totally. Yeah. And I think it was the, the pizza hut buffet was probably the, the <laughs> biggest source of conflict. Cause it was, five dollars so everybody shows up with five dollars and then it's like whoa tax who's going to tip the waitress it's like well I, I just have five. um so yeah that's the scarcity mentality um but yeah no uh, abundance like god gives us uh everything for our enjoyment it says that also in first mm-hmm. timothy six where he's telling us to take you know paul's telling us take hold of that which is truly life um you you haven't lived until you've started giving. Mm. And we've, we've been using the words giving and generosity uh, interchangeably, but I think it was uh, Pastor Chip Ingram that said it best. That's like giving is the training wheels of generosity. Like mm. uh, we're talking a lot about money here. Cause I think it's tactically money has a hold on our hearts and there's a battle yeah. over that every yeah. day that it's either God or money. Like yeah. those, it wasn't God or something else. It was you you're either going to worship me or you're going to worship money. And that's probably a day-to-day battle that all of us are facing. And one of the ways to start uh, putting yourself under the Lordship of Jesus is to give and to give intentionally. We can see examples in scripture of that. Um, And that when we do, yeah, God provides everything we need, but he did that first. That's the thing is like, we already have everything we need. And so we get the opportunity to give back and we see what God can do with that, which, which is pretty amazing. Um, one of the stories that I think of is um, I love donuts and I was at this donut shop um, and I'm behind this guy in line. There's, there's a line and the cashier's like, Hey, credit card machine's broken. And the guy in front of me is mad. He's, he's really upset. It's early in the morning. And I have cash on me. I never have cash on me. Um, and I just tapped him on the shoulder. I was like, hey, man, what what were you getting? He's like, I just need my donut and coffee. And I'm like, oh, cool, man. Uh, hey, whatever you need, whatever you need, it's on me. <laughs> and what's the cool thing in that story, gosh, that costs like $2.50. Yeah. But the cool thing in that story is that guy went from a really bad day to hopefully a better day. Yeah. But then I got up to the cashier and the cashier was like, I can't believe what you just did. Like that was amazing. And so all of a sudden Mm -hmm. someone else has this um, affirming reaction to it and gets blessing out of seeing it happen. And all of a sudden I'm like, man, I think I received the most here from this whole thing because I got to see how many people's lives were impacted by something super small. Um, And and I hate to tell stories of myself because that's like elevating me when I've got so much to learn here. But yeah. I was able to make an investment in someone instead of something. Yeah. And I, I learned that giving is about gaining. Like I gained so much more than whatever I gave up. And probably the last thing that I, I'd leave you with is um, I don't worry about money that I don't have anymore. Mm. And a lot of times we focus on the safety and security of what we have. But when we give it away, I don't. I don't worry about the safety and security of that anymore. Um, I, I believe it's an investment and I want it to go far, but all of a sudden my worries are less, which, which is a pretty cool place to be. That's awesome, man. That's awesome, Tim. I, I love that. Like I said, I feel like we could 
jam on this for like three hours. Uh, I'm curious. I've got time. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'm just just joking. (laughs) I don't think our listeners do is the unfortunate part. They don't. Uh, But we'll definitely have you back on the show and, and, and maybe even we can chat about some kind of regular rhythm of just sharing these kind of stories of generosity and what, what maybe that could look like. Cause I think to your point, like it's a muscle that you build and it's a lifestyle that you adopt kind of like a mindset and a position that you put your heart in. And I don't think, you know, for a lot of us, it's going to happen. And like, we listen to this podcast, we start, we automate our 10% and then the box is checked, right? To your point, it's that daily battle of, will I serve God and be generous and treat all of this as his, or will I serve money? And will I focus on what I don't have, right? As, As you so eloquently put. So I'm grateful to have you on the show, brother. Um, I know I will highly encourage people to go connect and follow Tim on LinkedIn. I'm not going to try to spell his name, but it's in the podcast title and in the show notes. You can hunt him down there. If people don't spend that much time on LinkedIn and they want to hunt you down, find you, spend some time with you, or just at least hear some of these stories, where would you send them? Yeah, I'd say go to livegivemore.com, which is just a blog I created just to share these stories so that as uh, I run into them, because I'm talking with people about their giving, uh, it gives an opportunity to to continue to write about that. And I want to encourage, I want to equip, I want to inspire people to greater generosity because everything that we read and scroll through every day is telling us like we don't have enough and we need something more. And that's something more is out there and it can be purchased with money. And um, I don't believe that's the case. And I know most people listening don't either. So it's just a chance to get filled up on some of those encouraging stories of the, the full and abundant life that generosity can bring you. Yeah. So fellas, this is the Grown Man Project. And our mission is to inspire, equip, and commission men to live bold lives that honor God. And Tim, you just said it, brother, exactly the mission that you are on at livegivemore.com is to encourage, inspire, and equip. And so it's no wonder that we have become fast friends. Uh, I'm grateful for what you do for the kingdom, for your clients. Thank you for coming on here and blessing our community and uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you again in the future. That sounds good, Kurt. Grateful for you. This has been awesome. Fellas, here's the deal. We have way more people listening to this podcast than we do on our email list. What's up with that? If you are listening and you are not signed up for the Grown Man email list, I don't know what you're doing with yourself. (laughs) Go to grownmanproject.com, get signed up for the email list. We deliver one email a week. That's it, one email a week. But it is packed with resources, other podcasts we're listening to, books that we're enjoying, Uh, new opportunities to engage with us and and the community here at Grown Man. And so I would love to be able to send that to you once a week. And if you don't like it, guess what? You can unsubscribe. It's really not that hard. But I have a great feeling that if you like this podcast, you will love the email series. So go to grownmanproject.com, get signed up there. Thanks as always for listening to the show. I love the community that is rallying around what it looks like to boldly step into manhood. I appreciate each and every one of you. Let's go be grown men.